It's time to have lunch and talk sports. The Jeff Dantzler Show on the Superstations. As we have hit high noon here in Athens, GA. It's a beautiful day at Foley Field. Got some of the guys out and about already. Grounds crew doing some work, infields being dragged, a couple of the assistants out, got the cages out, batting practice just around the corners. The Bulldogs open up a three-game series with the Norse of Northern Kentucky University, located in Highland Heights, Kentucky. That's right, Highland Heights, Kentucky. They are 2-2 two and two on the year. The Dogs undefeated at 4-0. and uh, We'll run through all those numbers. Talk a lot of Georgia football, a lot of Georgia baseball today. Let's sink our teeth into some NFL draft. And as we do, a big hello going out down into Macon, Montezuma, Warner Robins, Perry, and Fort Valley to all of Central Georgia. Down into South Georgia, Pinehurst, Rochelle, Waycross, Blackshear, Tifton, Eastman, Cochran, Hawkinsville, Ashburn, Cordell, and Unadilla, and all our friends on the coast, Savannah, Tybee Island. Hey, there goes one of my private jets flying by. And out to Wilmington Island, and of course, down to Brunswick, St. Simons, Jekyll Island, and Sea Island. Thank you very much. Appreciate you being with us. My Uncle Joe's listening in from a little dreary Savannah. It's beautiful here in Athens. My mom and my dad and my stepmom are on their way to Athens for a baby shower for my sister-in-law that is either tonight or tomorrow or Sunday. I don't know. I'm in the Georgia Bulldogs Vortex. Phone numbers if you'd like to join us today, 478-646-3776. That's 478-646-ESPN. Shoot us a tweet at Jeff Dantzler TV. Let us know where you're listening from. I'd love to add a couple of states. Of course, we've had Georgia, Florida, the Carolinas, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, New Orleans, California, Texas, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Vermont, Virginia, Maryland, New York City, Boston, Mass, you name it. This show, the Bill Shank Show, all of our interviews, simply go to thesuperstations.com. They are easy to download, and as I emphasize all the time, if I can do it, being definitively low-tech, so can you. It's a piece of cake. Again, it is a website. Designed for sports fans, not for what I call computer people. But you have to know all the symbols and the icons and the links. This is just simple. So to listen to Bill Shanks' show, click here. To listen to Bill Shanks' interview with Alex Anthopoulos, click here. Boom. Done. Piece of cake. So I hope everybody's having a good day. It is a Friday here in Athens, Georgia, as the Bulldogs get set to take on Northern Kentucky. And we'll talk some Georgia football as well. We've run through a little bit of what's going on. Uh, with the Bulldogs at quarterback and at running back. Kind of continue to look at what that backfield's going to look like. And, of course, all those premier playmakers, premier talent that Georgia's lost the offense overall and some of the main issues that Coach King, Kirby Smart, and the dogs will tackle heading into spring practice, which is just around the corner. Hello to our friends from Arrowhead Tool out of Perry, GA. Located at 629 General Courtney Hodges Boulevard, a big supporter of the Superstations. And we can talk some Braves as well if you'd like. I just feel like with Bill, nobody knows the Braves better than Bill Shanks. So if you want to talk about the Braves, it's Bill Shanks that you need to talk about. But we'll talk about the Braves as well. I can tell you this, Ronald Acuna is really good. Austin Ryler is really good. I think my wife forgot that I was on the air today. She just gave me a call. And 
that top four or five in the Braves lineup is outstanding. It's about keeping that pitching healthy. I was on with Bill last Tuesday uh, before Georgia played Georgia State when Bill was uh, pinch hitting, when the legend was pinch hitting for me. And just talked about that fifth spot in the rotation. And that's going to be a big thing for Atlanta. Is it one where you've got four or five pitchers? I know Bryce Elder, who, who, as Bill said, ran out of gas late last season. He's certainly an arm that would figure into that spot. There's some younger guys, and this is assuming that you've got Freed, Strider, Morton, and Sale, the newcomer, big, hard-throwing, long, tall, lefty, healthy. If you've got those guys healthy, and then that fifth spot in the rotation. So is this a deal where, oh, my gosh, we don't have anything. These are probably the five or six guys that have got the best shot to fill it. Or is it a spot where, you know, we feel really good about our four, and we got four or five other guys that we think could be really good here and, and, and some guys who could be in the rotation of several teams in the major leagues. And, and, and I'm hopeful, and it sounded like Bill was hopeful too, that it's the second of that, that it's more, I don't necessarily want to say a position of strength, but they feel like they have a lot of good options for that number five spot. And, again, just, just hoping to keep that pitching healthy the whole way through and, and definitely when you roll into the postseason. For George, I wanted to mention this, too, with Charlie Kiner. Now ran over our stats yesterday. Uh, Charlie is leading the SEC in batting, slugging, and on-base percentage. He is hitting a Ruthian 714, 10 of 14, slugging 1357. His on-base percentage an astounding 800, five walks, a hit-by-pitch against just one strikeout. Hit his first two home runs on Tuesday against Georgia State. He was three for three with two homers, two walks, and a single. And that single in the sixth inning actually brought his slugging percentage down. Uh, This Georgia team putting up some very impressive numbers thus far, outscoring the opposition 53-7. to And Georgia's got 48 hits to the opposition's 15. 27 extra base hits. So 13 plus 13 plus 1, that's 27, right? Chris, you're on top of that. So 21 singles, 27 extra base hits. Uh, Georgia's really doing a a great job. The team with a 508 on base percentage, obviously. And this is a a series that Georgia should win with with Northern Kentucky. Of course, you you never know. You might run into a pitcher who's got a hot day, and uh, they hit them where you ain't, and you hit them right at them, those old Adam balls. But this is clearly a series that Georgia should win. And then it's Tech next weekend. And that's obviously huge, and that's also a primer for Southeastern Conference play. And for the next two weeks, Georgia has a pair of midweek games. So after this series with Northern Kentucky, it's Presbyterian and Michigan State on Tuesday, Wednesday, then the Tech series. And then the, the, the barnstorming because the three games with Tech are played in three different spots. Russ Chandler, Foley, and Cool Ray Field where the Gwinnett Stripers play. And then uh, Georgia will play Georgia Southern in Augusta Tuesday, March 5th. Stetson here in Athens on March the 6th. And then a four-game series with Northern Colorado. Game on Friday, two on March the 9th. That's a Saturday and the, the single game on March 10th. And then the Iowa Hawkeyes come to town. And then it's SEC play beginning at Kentucky on March 15th. And uh, Dave Johnson, who just does a tremendous job, so lucky to work with, with people like Dave and Bill Shanks and Christopher Lakos, Trey Littlefield. And heard Trey did a great job as my sidekick on the road yesterday. And 
you know, Dave, Dave and I talk about it all the time. You are so anxious for the season to get started, and it finally gets here. And you got four weeks of non-conference play. Then the league starts up. So it seems like you run from week one to week four, snap of a finger just like that. Before you know it, you're into that grind of the conference, a 10-weekend Southeastern Conference slate, and it is the hardest league to win in any sport. SEC baseball again. George will open at Frigid, Kentucky, March 15, 16, and 17. Uh, just feels good to be out at the ballpark, and the sun is out. Chris, how's the weather in Macon right now? Y- y'all sitting high 60s? Uh, it's about that, probably about low 60s right now. Uh, yeah, I'd say it's 62 here, but it's one of those. I always say sunshade. And in the sun, it feels like it's about 70. Yeah, here, here saying it's uh, 66 outside right now. Nice. Nice. So we're going to get up to upper 60s here today. All right, the schedule for the rest of the weekend here. So as we said, nobody pre-ups Bill Shanks, and we mean nobody. So you'll have the Georgia baseball game I'm about to broadcast along with David Johnston. That will be replayed tonight, beginning at 7 o'clock. Hopefully, George has already got a nice win in the fold. And then this weekend, we got Georgia baseball. You got Georgia men's hoops tomorrow as Georgia will play the Auburn Tigers. And we got Braves exhibition baseball taking on Tampa Bay and the Boston Red Sox. So, again, Georgia and Northern Kentucky uh, replaying here tonight. We'll have the Hawks-Raptors game beginning at 11.30 tonight. So, you can just hang with the Superstations. Uh, Braves spring training at the Rays. Uh, Georgia basketball against Auburn. And then you got Boston and the Knicks uh, on Sunday. Braves spring training. Georgia baseball. That'll be DJ Solo for that one. I'll be with the Lady Dogs. And you'll have Hawks and Magic. And then Bulldogs live coming up on Monday. So a whole bunch of stuff going on. We'll talk some NFL draft, talk some Falcons as we continue on. It is a Friday afternoon here in Athens, GA, America's greatest college town. Getting you ready for some Georgia baseball. Let's talk draft as we continue on on the Superstations. Fly away on a Zephyr. Red Hot Chili Peppers. All right, there we go. Want to talk some NFL draft? What are the Falcons going to do? What do you think they should do? Let me check my tweets. And by the way, since Twitter changed up, uh, I'm just not getting the response I used to. And, yeah, thank you to Rich for tweeting in and to UGA alum 95. And let us see if there is some more stuff breaking here real quick. Give me just a second. As uh, Del McGee expected to be named head coach at Georgia State. So I don't think it's official yet, but it sounds like, because on the internet it says so, it sounds like that it is going to be true. So if Dell McGee does indeed head there, then guess what? Georgia's going to have an opening on the staff, and Kirby will make a good hire. And, yeah, 
It's part of the changing landscape. Yeah, it's one of those things very similar to what Alabama went through with Nick Saban. I mean, he, just, he would lose his coordinators year after year, and it's just one of those kind of the, the byproduct of great success. Teams are going to try and come after those assistant coaches and put in that blueprint for their program. And so Georgia State going to try and bring on Dell McGee, who is an ace recruiter and help put together some tremendous, tremendous running back classes and running back prospects here at Georgia. Now, uh, he was on Kirby's first staff back in 2016. So he and Glenn Schumann have been around since uh, day one with Kirby. But uh, with Delta, he inherited Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, but helped bring in DeAndre Swift, Brian Harry, and Elijah Holyfield, and then the group with Zamir White and, and James Cook, Kenny McIntosh, Dejon Edwards, Kendall Milton, and Georgia's had a lot of terrific backs and got some blue chippers coming in for this next class as well. And I would just think for Georgia State, what they're looking for is a recruiter and Dell's from the Columbus area, and uh, he's got all the connections. You know, he, he knows just about everybody in the state, and I'm sure what Georgia State's thinking, like, hey, we, we understand they're – they're most likely, if there's a prospect that's also looking at Georgia and Auburn and Tennessee, they're not going to get him. But they can certainly uh, go out and get – sounds bad to say that second tier because you never know how these kids are going to turn out. But, but that next tier of prospect who could turn out to be good players. Honestly, for programs like Georgia State right now, their biggest problem is when they have a good player, losing them to another school. We were talking with Dave Cohen. Uh, who's done the radio for Georgia State for many, many years, many decades, in fact. Not trying to age you there, Dave, if you're listening. Uh, and, and, yeah, he was just running through their, their best 10 or 11 players from last year all transferred, quote, unquote, up. And that's one of those for the good mid-majors in virtually every sport. A lot of times the big boys are going to cherry pick those top mid-major players. So that's one of the deals. But congratulations to Dale McGee if that is indeed the case that he is heading to Georgia State. I don't think it's official, official, but hey, it's being reported on the internet. So you know that it's true. All right, let's go back to some mock drafting there. My internet's moving a little bit slow today. And I hope, by the way, is everybody back up with the AT&T? I would guess so. All right, here we go. So the Bears are still sitting there with the number one pick and Justin Fields. And it just sounds like with the Bears, as well as it's kind of a good news, bad news. And again, Fields, who's had his moments of struggles for sure, but looked like it, the pieces were finally coming together for him in year three. So it sounds like for the Bears, they are going to part with Fields and go with Caleb Williams unless they just get an unbelievable offer for that top pick. But I guess with the feeling being that this is a, a relatively deep quarterback class, and right now the, the projections for the draft, the top three picks, are Williams. Jaden Daniels is really soared up. He had just a, an incredible year for LSU. And then – of course, Drake May from the New York Giants. Uh, then you could go on down. I, I would be leery here. Nothing against him. He he's seems like a great kid. But Bo Nix, 
J.J. McCarthy. I don't know about that. But, but teams are going to reach on quarterbacks. We know that. And Atlanta's one of those teams that needs a quarterback. But if that guy's not there, you got to go out and draft a good player and try and find someone who is at least good. I'm not necessarily saying Gardner Minshew or Mason Rudolph, but someone like that. Atlanta's got to move on from what the situation was this past year at quarterback, which frankly cost his team a playoff berth. Atlanta very easily could have been a 10-7 and type team, at least 9-8, and certainly should have been in the playoffs. We know all that. Uh, the Patriots are another team. It looks like they're probably going to move along from Mac Jones. Now, the prospects coming out, and I think for Caleb Williams, even though he's still the number one pick, I think his status, it's hard to say when a guy's the number one pick, but he is not as lock solid a prospect as he was after his sophomore year. I, I think the fingernail painting with what was written on there turned some people off. Certainly did for me. He didn't have nearly as good a year last year. USC was disappointing. He sat out the bowl game, of course, opted out. Uh, Not to say that he's not going to be a really, really good player, but I I don't see this as a – I always use the gold standard, the the John Elway, Troy Aikman, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, just no-brainer, number one overall pick, and it just seems like an incredibly, incredibly safe bet. And that's not to say he's not going to be really, really good with the Bears. But I, I've said repeatedly, if I were running the Bears, I would take the best offer, get as many picks as I could, and I would stick with Fields and trade that pick. They've got another first-round pick, so you figure they would flip-flop with somebody and pick up another couple of first-rounders over the next two years and probably a couple of second-rounders. That's what I would do if I was a Bears because I need to acquire some talent. Uh, Jaden Daniels is projected by most now to go number two overall to Washington. And just to give you an idea, the premium, the mock draft I'm looking at right now, which is off of CBSSports.com, they have Daniels rated as the ninth best prospect, but going as the number two overall pick. And Washington needs a quarterback. Uh, Next, I've seen any, I've seen Drake May, and I've seen Marvin Harrison. Uh, Harrison is a terrific prospect at receiver. And of course, as Georgia Bulldog fans, we saw him up close and personal. Uh, what, what a talent he was at Ohio State. Uh, then you've got Harrison, potentially May. What are the Cardinals going to do? They pick fourth with Kyler Murray. Uh, the Chargers have the fifth pick. I've seen Brock Bowers fall in there, and I think that would be a tremendous fit with Justin Herbert. He's going to be a great fit wherever he is. Uh, For the Giants, I I think some of those same names are there. If May is still there, I think they grab him. But I think he's going to be gone. And I think even if the teams from three to five don't need that quarterback, like to me the Chargers are a team that could trade back. you got Jim Harbaugh coming in there. They've got Justin Herbert at quarterback. So to me, especially if May or Daniels, most likely May, happen to still be there, somebody who wanted a quarterback, that's a pretty easy trade back for the Chargers. And you can probably still get the guy you want, whether it's Bowers or Dallas Turner, whoever it may be, and you get some more draft capital. You pick up some more picks. So the Giants go six. They love a quarterback. they got to be careful not to reach. The Titans, 
drafting seven. It seems to be the name I've seen locked in there the most is Joe Alt, tackle from Notre Dame. And tackle is the position. If there's a highly rated guy, it is the least bust potential. Usually for those guys who are great players at that spot, especially at left tackle, presuming you got a right-handed quarterback protecting that blind side, for those guys that are highly touted, Coming out of college, they usually turn out to be outstanding presidents. Think about it, Georgia with Andrew Thomas. Broderick Jones had a great rookie year. You, know, you go back to guys like Walter Jones and Orlando Pace. Those tackles, they hit at a far greater rate than any other position. So you got Atlanta sitting there at number eight. The mock draft I'm looking at has him taking Malik Neighbors from LSU. He's a great talent. But certainly they can't go with another pass catcher for the third time in four drafts. I mean, the last three, it's been Pitts, London, and Robinson. I think if he's there, Dallas Turner's the guy you go after. I obviously see it him up close and personal, Georgia versus Alabama and all these huge games. And Turner was uh, the, the Carl Banks to Will Anderson's Lawrence Taylor, and then he was that lead guy last year and had another great season. That's another guy Georgia recruited very heavily. It came down to Georgia and Bama for Turner, as it did for a lot of players played for those two teams. So if he's sitting there, that's that type of disruptive difference maker that I think would be a huge boost to Atlanta. Now, if you're a Falcons fan, would you have any interest whatsoever in going to – would you make the deal for a quarterback in the draft or would you prefer, let's just say fields because it seems like out of the quarterbacks who could be moved realistically of the chiefs, they trade Patrick Mahomes. He would be the one that would make the most sense. Plus he's obviously from the Metro Atlanta area. So if you're a Falcons fan, let's take fields exit from Georgia and all that went with that out of the picture. As a Falcons fan, would you rather have would you rather have Justin Fields or would you rather slide up and get one of the quarterback prospects in this draft? Like would Washington be willing to part with that segment? Would you rather have Jaden Daniels or Justin Fields? And obviously you got to factor in how much it's going to cost you how much it's going to cost you in the, in the draft in terms of capital, giving up other picks, players you might trade away. Usually those type of deals, it just involves picks. So what would Atlanta be willing to do? What would you give up for Justin Fields? Would you give up a first round or would you give up the eighth pick in the draft for it? If I'm the Bears, I would make that deal if you're – lock stock sold on taking Caleb Williams at number one overall because then that would give the Bears who picked ninth let's just say they would do that if the Falcons made a deal say we'll give you the eighth pick for Justin Fields and I I don't know if that's realistic or not I don't know they'd give them three of the top nine picks so the Bears go at nine and if you're the Bears there I think you you probably look tackle or a pass catcher so a couple of names floating around there, Fashanu, Ole Fashanu, the tackle from Pitt State, and Rome Adunzi, the wide receiver from Washington. 
moving on. I'm looking at the Vikings, and my buddy Christopher Lakos might pop in here shortly. He's a big Vikings fan. Are they going to part with Kirk Cousins or not? We don't know. With the Falcons like Cousins, I worry about those Achilles injuries now. This mock draft, I'm looking at it from CBS Sports, has them taking J.J. McCarthy. I, I would not do that. Good player, but not by no means great one. Denver going at 12. You'd think they would go defense. Same for the Raiders at 13. The Saints go 14. They've got New Orleans taking J.C. Latham, the enormous tackle from Alabama. I don't think you can go wrong there. Take an offensive lineman from Alabama. Odds are he's going to be pretty good. The Colts go at 16, excuse me, at 15. The Seahawks go at 16. Uh, the Jags would probably be looking for some help on defense. The CBS Sports mock draft has him taking Byron Murphy, a defensive lineman from Texas. Got to you listen. What would you think about that? Brian Thomas, another one of those LSU receivers projected to go to the Bengals. By the way, I've been told that Joe Burrow really, really wants Brock Bowers. Bowers is going in the top ten. Uh, and, and he, somebody might surprise and jump up and grab him in the top five. He's just too great a talent. Uh, you've got the Rams going at 19. Pittsburgh going at 20. Pittsburgh almost always makes good picks. The Dolphins go at 21. You would think they would go offensive line just to try and help out with two. I got to keep him upright. Philadelphia goes 22. They'll probably look defense. The Texans go 23. They picked that pickup from the Browns with a trade. By the way, this mock draft has them taking A.D. Mitchell out of Texas, of course, spent his first two years at Georgia. Cowboys go at 24. Green Bay at 25. Tampa goes at 26. Projected here to take a Marius Mims out of Georgia. When he's in there, he could be dominant. And Mims had moments in his career, kind of the second half of 2022 and in 2023 when he came back from the injury there for a while before he got hurt again in the SEC championship game and didn't come back. Where he was just downright dominant playing on that right side of the line. And he's massive, 6'7", 340. Then coming up next... The Cardinals have another pick. And this mock draft has him taking Bo Nix. I just, I don't buy it. Not in the first round. Completely different player to Oregon than Auburn. Yeah, maybe the change of scenery had something to do with it. But just look at the splits versus the SEC and the Pac-12 are oftentimes defense is optional. And you're going to throw in his first game at Oregon as well when the Ducks lost 49-3 to to Georgia. He's very good. But is he worth a first-round pick? I wouldn't think so. Buffalo goes 28. The Lions go 29. They're the team that's just got to be completely crestfallen, along with San Francisco. They're up 24-10, and they don't kick a field goal. Come on. I think this would be a great pick. Baltimore projected to take Kamari Lasseter. Baltimore almost always a smart drafting team. Lasseter is terrific. One of the best corners we've ever had. He's physical. He can run. He can cover. The guy makes plays. I think Lasseter would be a great pick. He would fit perfectly in Baltimore. Uh, San Francisco going 31. 
and then Lad McConkey is projected by a lot of teams, by a lot of drafts, excuse me, to go to Kansas City. I, I've thought that from day one. Kansas City struggled at receiver. They had the Rashad Rice kid came on second half of the year, made a big difference. That's a big reason the Chiefs were able to, to win a second straight Super Bowl. Then, of course, Mecole got healthy again. Had a great Super Bowl. Caught the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. So, you got those two guys. Lad to me, is just a natural. Lad has great hands. He gets open. He's got excellent speed, and he's got that sway. He's just able to, to slide and move and cut so smoothly, and teams just don't get clean shots on him. He is tremendous. So this mock draft, that'd be four Bulldogs going in the first round. Now, there were some players very glad that came back that announced they would be coming back to Georgia for this coming season. I don't know if we're going to have the, the 15 draft picks that the Dogs had two drafts ago, but I, I, it was 10 last year. I think we could be up around a dozen or so. And I would think Cedric Van Pran, would he would he make it out of the second round? That's just the guy – if you're the Falcons, if Van Pran's sitting there, and wherever he's projected, and I've seen him second to third round. If he's projected as a sixth rounder, I'm not saying the Falcons should take him in the second. But if he's projected there around that second or third round and the Falcons are there, he would just be such a fit. The guy's a great player and a great leader. I mean, that's the thing we talk so much about, just the elite talent that George is going to have to replace. McConkey, Bowers, Van Pran stand out. just – Great guys, great leaders, phenomenal players. So what do you do if you're the Falcons? I'm telling you, the Bears hold a lot of the cards. If I'm the Bears, I'm trading that pick. The legend, Eddie from Ackworth, joins us. Eddie, it's a beautiful day at Foley Field. Good afternoon to you, sir. You'll talk some Falcons draft. What's up, J.D.? I wish I was there at Foley Field. but uh, I do too, buddy. So. Uh, anyway, your uh, Justin Fields scenario piqued my interest, so I thought I'd call in. Sure. Um, and you're right. It, it all depends on what it costs. But I, I'm just so afraid moving up to one, two, or three is just going to cost a king's ransom. And this this team, this team is not in a position to be doing that. I, and we can argue all day long. I, I thought it was a mistake, the Julio Jones thing years ago where you gave up all that. And Julio was a great player, but I think you gave up too much to get him, and it cost us some future drafts. So I, I don't like that. Um, my my position is to go after Justin Fields and trade him, but not with that eighth pick, Jeff. I, I just think that's tra- too right. much. I'm sorry to interrupt, Teddy. So if it was just a straight up, if the Bears called, if if Eddie Mattingly is the GM of the Atlanta Falcons, if uh, the McCaskey, Mike McCaskey, or whoever's running the Bears now calls you and says, we'll give you Fields for the eighth pick, you say no. No, I think that's okay. too much. I, I, I think you can work in – now, the problem you get now is the Calvin Ridley thing. It looks like he's going to be a free agent. So that pick stays in the third round. It doesn't move up to the second unless they sign him. So that's one less pick in the second you could offer him. <clears throat> but you could offer him the first second-round pick that you get and maybe a player. Now, let me ask you this, Jeff. I, I've gotten Bill Shanks' opinion on this. The guys on the morning uh, in 960, I want to ask yours. Let's say you trade for Justin Fields and you trade Kyle Pitts and that second-round pick. The eighth pick comes up with that being done and sitting there is Dallas Turner and Brock Bowers. 
Who are you taking? Take your heart out of it. Who are you taking, J.D.? I think Bowers would be a better fit for Atlanta. I'm sorry, I think Bowers is the better all-around prospect and player, but I think for what Atlanta needs, I think on the team right now would be Turner. But mm-hmm. in the scenario you're saying, so you're saying they've moved Pitts along in that yeah, scenario? They've moved Pitts, so that makes it a little easier to go after the tight end for sure, no doubt about that. I just say Brock's a generational talent, and if he's there, you grab him. Um, I Like I said, the mock draft I was looking at here – and obviously with Harbaugh seeing him up close and personal, the Chargers are a team to me that it would make sense because they've got Herbert, especially if May hadn't been picked. They could make a move and slide back and grab him. So I think Bowers would go there. But if Atlanta, if everything just played out the way it was, if Bowers was gone, if Turner's sitting there at eight, if I'm Atlanta, if there are no moves or trades or anything, I would take Turner. Run to the podium if he's sitting there, Jeff. There's no doubt about it. One more thing, I'll leave you with this. Arthur Blank, I know you're listening because this is a great Jeff dancer and you (laughs) love his show. Arthur, trade for Justin Fields, get Brock Bowers, and your stadium is sold out for the next five years with Falcons fans that are Georgia fans. I I, I would agree. So what would you give up, Eddie, for Fields? I would give up that second round pick if necessary. Um, and I, I said a player, you know, I don't know if Pitts is in the conversation. Or I don't know if they're looking for a player or solely draft picks, but I would try to work a player like Pitts or, or somebody like that in there. Um, Boy, but, if you do that, Eddie, you know, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but what was he, what, the fourth pick? Boy, you're just admitting a huge fail there, aren't you? Yeah. You could also argue that he's been injured, right? Um, yeah. And and if he's healthy with the Bears, a new new scene, new scene, he might be great. You know, I mean, he was drafted at fourth for a reason. The guy could be a generator. He hasn't been, but he could. And and with a good quarterback, if they bring one in, look how he did his first year with Matt Ryan. He was over a thousand yards. So he's he's done it when he was healthy, right? So there is some upside there, but. At four, I, I thought it was a mistake. You're, you're, yeah, I agree. You're, no, so I think with Pitts, too, and listen, this the, the caveat, everybody's going to be better when they've got other great players around them. I just look at Pitts, and I see someone who might not be comfortable in that role as the lead dog. And let's just say he was playing, I don't know, at Miami, and they had Tyree Kill. I think when he's that, that Scottie Pippen role, he could be ridiculously good. Well, one more thing is that Raheem Morris has mentioned a lot of players in his press conferences that he's excited about. He has yet to utter the name Kyle Pitts. So that's a message that's being sent. Kyle, I just – and I get it. You can't sit there and and keep, keep hoping. But if, if that's a fourth pick and you're already parting and, and you're not getting anything close to value – Heck, maybe the Falcons and, uh, and Bears could just straight up trade Pitts for Fields. Oh, would you that do would that? Be, yeah. Okay. Yeah. In two seconds. Come I on. I would too. And before the phone even hung up, I'd say yes. I mean, come on. That'd be great. I mean, yep. could that that to me is that one that could be a win-win for both of those teams? 
Yeah, I, I think the Bears are going to command a draft pick on top of it. I just, I just firmly believe that. And you know what? The other bad news, Jeff, is that the Steelers have backed off. So does that mean the Bears are asking, hey, I'll say it again, a King's ransom uh-huh. for Fields, and they're like, nah, we're out of this thing because they were in it for a little while. That may be bad news for Atlanta. Well, it could be. If, and now the Steelers are also, they're such a good franchise. Uh, yeah, it, it's almost, if they've got Bradshaw Roethlisberger, they're in the Super Bowl. If they've got, you know, Mason Rudolph, they're still at least going to make the playoffs. So they don't panic. They draft wisely. I mean, I look at, when I was running through that, I look at teams like Pittsburgh and Baltimore. They just get it when it comes to the draft. And, Eddie, you can appreciate this. My, my friend Robbie, who's been a guest on my show so many times, who just loves the Falcons, and we, we talk sometimes about making moves for picks. And, and, and Robbie's thinking as a longtime Falcons fan is, I get it getting the picks, but he has no faith that they're going to wind up making the right picks. So that's part two of it. You make these deals, you get the picks, then you got to make the right pick. Yeah, and our history does not look good. <laughs> no, it does sure. not. <laughs> Eddie, you're the best, my friend. Thank you Thanks. so much. Keep the faith, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you, J.D. Thank you, Eddie. I appreciate you, the legendary Eddie from Ackworth. We'll hit some tweets as well when we come back at Jeff Dantzler TV. I love talking draft because it's combining – college football, and the NFL. And if you love football, well, that should be right up your alley. At Jeff Dantzler TV, it's at Chris Master Radio. Uh, let's see. Oh, thank you, J-Rad. Good premium dad jokes. I tried to get a job at an ice cream shop, but I wouldn't work Sundays. Thank you, J-Rad. Appreciate you, bud. Lake's going to pop in here with me when we come back. Having a good Friday on the Superstations. My good friend, the great Christopher Lake, goes with us. By the way, where are we for your birthday this year? Let's take a look at the schedule. We're, we're usually, we, for whatever reason, we're usually on the road for yeah, Lake's birthday. We will get getting ready to play South Carolina, so we'll be in Columbia, and it'll be probably about 104. <laughs> it'll be hot. <laughs> uh, Christopher has been the, and of course, he's a friend of the show, has been Georgia's baseball sports information director and the very best in the business. Since 1993 and Lake, just four games in, starting a three-game series here. And, of course, you can follow Georgia baseball all season long here on the Superstations. It looks like we have got a really good team. Great start to the West Johnson era. Yeah, certainly uh, a lot of offensive firepower, one through nine. I think anybody that's in there every day is going to be able to hit it out of the yard. And so uh, it really puts a lot of pressure on the other team not to – have a lot of walks because, you know, the old adage about solo home runs are not going to get you beat. But Georgia's uh, had home runs from seven different guys so far this season. And I'm sure you talked about how Charlie Condon uh, joined that list uh, finally on Tuesday at, at Georgia State when he went deep a couple of times. So, uh, but, but the thing I like about uh, what I've seen so far is, is the team has stayed focused uh, throughout the game. And there's been pretty much all blowouts. Uh, but they're not giving up, you know, an A-B. They're, they're locked in. They're, they're able to take their walks. And uh, when you have a team with a lot of power, certainly as the season goes along and you face some better pitching, 
you know, you're going to have some strikeouts. But that's that's what baseball is nowadays. You know, they, they want the power, and, and they live with the strikeouts. And, Lake, a big key for any team. So I always say nobody knows the Braves like Bill Shanks. And uh, as much as we love Georgia baseball, too, for any team out there, I think the most important thing this day and age is just keeping that pitching healthy. So we're, we're going to knock on wood, and unfortunately we've had bad luck with that, with, with health with the pitching the last couple of years. And I've said – I don't know if this team has an Emerson Hancock or an Alex Wood type ace, but I do feel like there's some very good depth. And it's kind of like with Kirby next door. George's always going to be good in the secondary. That, that, that's Kirby's bread and butter and his forte. And with Wes Johnson, with, with pitching being his background, you feel like he's going to be able to piece together a good staff, even if there's not that ace at the top of the rotation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the early part of this season, before you get into conference, that's what he's trying to figure out right now. Rotation is going to stay the same this weekend. Uh, and then they're going to try, you know, obviously build up those guys, but go from like 60 pitches maybe to 80 pitches this weekend. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, you want to get around the 100 pitch uh, count when you when you start to get ready for SEC play uh, in the middle of March. But uh, the bullpen guys, I, I think he's got an idea of of who the uh, you know the six seven top relievers are going to be. But at the same time, there might be not as big a gap between maybe who number eight through 12 is. And so now this part of the season, you want to give those guys a few looks, and so that when you get to conference play, you know who your guys are because really you. Don't want to use more than 10 or 11 guys and you want to make sure that they all have success and are confident going into conference play uh, no we say it so many times once you get into league play you got to be done with tryouts mm-hmm. you, you have to know who your guys are now one key piece to this and lake uh west talked about this with dave and i think after the game on saturday last weekend against Asheville, is chandler marsh he had a great freshman year uh, had some ups and downs last year uh, but he's just one of those guys who, who, who looks the part and you feel like right He's a junior now. He's got a great arm. He's a great young man. Whether it's I'm going to be the setup guy, and I think about some of the guys we've had through the years like a Rip Warner or Dean Weaver, I'm going to be one of the weekend relievers, or I'm going to be that closer on the back end. And Wes said absolutely. Finding a role for him and having him be at his best, I think, is a big key for this pitching staff. Yeah, sure. And it's one of those things where, you know, people, traditionalists will say, well, who's the closer? Who's going to get those last three outs? But baseball has become more and more like more of a fireman. You know, when the game's on the line, if, if there's two it, it men cycles on, back. out. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, hey, who do we need right now to come in and shut this inning down and make sure they don't score? And so, you know, yeah, there might be a guy who has, you know, six or seven saves, but there might be a guy who has six or seven wins. If you think back, if you follow Georgia baseball, Jeffrey Carswell, you know, that guy had ten decisions. He had ten wins, but he was out there so many times. He had, you know, a handful of saves. But, you know, he was that guy that, you know, when the game was on the line, he was the one that was coming in. So so it's nice to have a guy like that. It's nice to have a guy like Josh Fields who could come in, you know, every time the game was on the line the eighth or ninth inning and know they weren't going to score. So, but yeah, Chandler Marsh, he's definitely one of those candidates to be that guy in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, but at the same time, you know, these guys, whatever their role is, they're going to have to be able to know, okay, I may have to go two innings or I may have to go three innings. And so, you know, you've got to be able to throw guys out there who know that just after they throw one inning, they're not finished for the day. You know, we may, they may need to go back out there to get one more out. And so that's a little different for guys too. Uh, in terms of you know being able to get a big out and come back to the dugout and then you're not done you got to go back out there and you know, maybe for one out one batter two batters so 
I think that's what uh, the relievers uh, that he's also trying to figure out right now. A guy like Brant Panzer, you know, who's had uh, experience doing that at Stanford. And so that's a big thing for pitchers, too. It's one thing to be a starter, know your routine, know when you're going to pitch. But if you're a reliever, you know, you've got to be ready when your name's called. That's exactly right. Like, let's talk football for just a moment here, uh, looking ahead towards spring practice, which starts next week. I loved it, the Orange Bowl. We've been talking about the backfield a good bit this week to have Gunner pretty much played the entire second half. thought he looked great uh, against Florida State. And I'm going to be anxious to get back. I hated that Branson Robinson missed last year, but he certainly uh, had his moments, especially in Los Angeles, sure. to help finish <laughs> off TCU. What do you think about Gunner as the top backup and then Branson Robinson back in the backfield? Yeah, if again, if you're the backup quarterback uh, for Georgia, or at any place for that matter, you know, you've got to be able to, to know that you're going to be ready when the time comes. And so, you know, when you have an established starter like Carson Beck, you know, you got to figure out, okay, am I going to play today? Well, you can't have that mindset. you got to be I'm going to I'm going to be ready to play every day. Like when and Jake so, Fromm came exactly, in. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Exactly. And so, uh, if if you follow Carson Beck's story, you know, he he said that you know, he wasn't quite ready you know, when he was that backup guy, and it cost him. And Stetson Bennett was ready, and that's how Stetson ended up playing over Carson Beck. So, you know, he had to grow up a little bit and know, you know, just because you're not the starter, you got to prepare that you're a starter because you're one play away, especially the quarterback position. Uh, and that's it's difficult because, you know, unlike the other spots on the field, you know, you're going to play several guys. But generally you're not going to play more than one quarterback unless – you know, it's a blowout situation. So, uh, but but I think Gunner got some valuable experience last year, and uh, and certainly he's looking forward to uh, to you know being on another good team, and and hopefully Carson does what he does, and he gets to play out there, uh, you know, a lot if if Georgia's offense is clicking. So, and then uh, and then at running back, I mean, everybody talks about uh, Etienne coming in from Florida, and he's an established guy. But but you're right, the Robinson guys. You know, there we haven't had like that feature back. You know, when we hit when Kirby first got here, and feature back. I mean, feature backs when you had uh, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. So, you know, most good programs, elite programs, have at least a couple of running backs, and you kind of tag team, and, and that way they stay fresh and. And, and they have tread on the tires, so right. to speak, when it's time to go to the NFL, whether it be after two years, three years, depending on how long they're here. All right, we got about 30 seconds. Everybody's talking facts. Right? You love the Minnesota Vikings. Is Kirk Cousins done? Who would you like to see the Vikings take? you got about 20 seconds. He's done, and I'll take anybody but Kirk. So <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Minnesota has peaked at what he can do. So they, they need a lot, but I'd like to see him get a new quarterback. All right, Lake, you're the best. Thank you, my friend. America's premier baseball SID, the great Christopher Lake. Goes. I hope everybody's had a good time spending part of your Friday afternoon with us. We do appreciate it. And again, because nobody preempts Bill Shanks, Dogs Game here on the Superstations will be tape delayed starting at 7 o'clock. Our marker 7 first pitch on the Georgia Bulldog Sports Network uh, will be at, let me see officially here, yep, 3.02 here this afternoon. That is 3.02. Too. So thanks so much. Hope everybody has a great weekend. If you're in Athens, come out and see us here at Foley Field. you got men's basketball, got women's hoops this weekend, uh, seven different Georgia sports in action tomorrow. Chris Rogers, great job as always, my friend. My name is Jeff Dantzler. Go dogs! Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Superstation. Station.